Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. It's a thin line between love and hate. Got the intro to it when it's like, doom, doom, doom. That's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Did he do like a ooh something in the beginning too? I can't remember. It was H Town. I remember that part. Yep. <laughs> Dino from from H Town with his runs. It just, oh, 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 oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, they had the. Let me tell you how we got here. That whole little part, you know, it's about to be serious. Love that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Classic black cinema element. Mwah. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. <laughs> What's popping, everybody? If you cannot tell by now. We will be talking about a thin line between love and hate this episode. The 1996 Black comedy slash romance film (laughs) co-written and directed by Martin Lawrence, who was also the star, just wearing all of the hats in this film. I love it. Yes. You know what's funny? As I was like watching this again, I was like, I see why him and Will Smith had to do Bad Boys together because they have some of the same characteristics especially within their shows and in their movies like yeah they're mad extra he's so extra in this movie (laughs) some things i feel like will stole from martin but i'll you know another time (laughs) as you you say that there's some similarities between the two as far as their comedic behaviors and then there's also a difference so it's almost like you're right they were a perfect element because they meshed together but they wasn't repeating each other in a way where it's like, well, I see this character, I see that character. They're both the same. You knew they had different capacities. So, yeah, it was a, all their movies were great. Yeah, they were. So Especially vo- this one. <laughs> right. The voice you all are hearing is my fellow colleague, my big brother, Dr. Antoine Player. And yes, that is his real last name. Um, so Dr. Player is licensed in Minnesota and in Florida. And he is also a counselor educator at Adler Graduate School in Minnesota. What's up, Dr. Player? Thank All right, you. Doing? <laughs> well, I would add on to not only just those elements, I also am, I'm also a crisis assessor at the local hospitals here in Minnesota. Yes. Also do a little bit of adjunct at Walden. And then whenever I have any spare time, whenever that is, I'm trying to do some <laughs> research. So kind of do a multitude of things. Um, All of the things. Yes. I science practitioner model. Yeah. <laughs> Lead by example, right? That's right. That's right. I heard that this was one of your favorite movies. Oh, it is. Is that true? <laughs> it is for numerous reasons. I nice. feel like as a black male, depending on what age you are in, this mm-hmm. movie follows you and you learn your lessons. <laughs> and you see the character from a different lens. So 
I look at it now and I reflect back on my 20s and I'm like, yeah, growth. That's what I learned from that movie. Okay. Growth. Okay, Dr. The positive spin. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that you over-identify with this character. You know, neither here nor there. We ain't got to get into your business, though. Let's be frank. Let's just say I can relate. Okay. I know someone like him. The same. The same. You know someone like him. We have a friend asking for a friend. <laughs> so we all we all have a friend that can relate to Darnell. Also, oh. um, or unfortunately, some of us, Brandy. Ooh. I mean, I myself, I kind of relate to his his friend T. You know, I was that friend that knew the friend. You know, so oh. I was more of a peer in support. Prepare and support. Okay. I'll take it. I don't even know what to do with that, guys. <laughs> but all of that to bring us to Darnell being at that bar. I'm in a real life. <laughs> I can't even get it out. <laughs> I know exactly what you're about to say. I'm caught up in a real life. Fatal attraction up in this motherfucker, man. <laughs> I mean, was he wrong, though? I mean, it was kind of fatal attraction. No lies told. <laughs> it was. And for a second, I was like, wait. Bar scene. It was, it was a club. It was a club it, for me. Club bar. But he was sitting at the bar, Dr. B. Gosh, let it me live. Don't you at me. He was, it was a club and he was sitting at the bar. <laughs> tomato, tomato. I mean, are there quotables, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, for me at the beginning, when he is getting his morning routine in and wiping the mirror and saying, I'm a fine motherfucker. That I was like, yes, this is how I need to start my mornings, just like this, and reminding myself, I'm a fine motherfucker. And then here I come, world, here I come. He was just so into himself. And I think it was good that he he learned a lesson in this because he needed to take be taken down a few pegs. But I I loved his self-esteem and his, you know, his grandiose characteristics. Mm. <laughs> you know, as you say that. I forgot the quote that his mom said in the movie, but there was one thing T said to him, which was the the code. You never say that you love someone uh, if you yes. don't truly love them. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was significant, not just because of the movie in general, but it really talks about not playing with people's emotions. Because to really say that you love someone really lets them know that they're and you're, you're invested in them and whether they should reciprocate that or not. But if you're saying it very loosely, you know, that can hurt someone. To which, I mean, was Brandy a stream? Probably. But did she have her reasons? Maybe. But, you know, playing with people's emotions is not appropriate. And I think, you know, I'm probably not getting too deep about this, but I think with the younger generation, there needs to be awareness about that. But also with older generations, there need to be awareness around that as well, too. I agree. I agree. And I wonder, like, when you talk about the generations, honestly, I feel like we we're afraid to 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 have those emotions to say, 
I love you or, you know, in the word of in the words of Drake, no new friends, you know, so you don't really like get to that level of feelings. That's just my opinion. No, I, I think that you're right. And I think when we use the term I love you or when expressing any term of endearment that means that can bring sentiment to someone, you're making yourself vulnerable or you're making that other person vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in general are not aware of their emotions. So when you have one person aware of their emotions and one person who's not aware and you got two people saying, I love you, the one who's invested and aware is going to interpret that differently than the person who's not aware of it, who's just saying it because it's the, it's what you say. So, I mean, working on emotions and understanding emotions and feelings, I think is critical for people to become aware of. Absolutely. And I'm glad he learned this lesson before he started messing with me and, and hurting her feelings in her heart, who was the most well-adjusted person in the whole movie to me. <laughs> but <laughs> So I'm glad that, hey, if this is what it took, if he had to get shot in the shoulder and thrown out the window and kneading the balls in order for him not to mess around with Mia's heart, then that's just the lesson that Darnell needed to learn. And so be it. I, I mean, <laughs> It's a hard <laughs> lesson. I mean, she gave him several different lessons. <laughs> I mean, he got shot. He got balls. I mean, he got tied up. I mean, he almost got electrocuted. If these are lessons you need to learn, you... Mm. Some you people, not everyone fire. learns the same way. Some people need that they they need more reiteration for them to grasp that full concept. And I don't know if he would have got it any other way. <laughs> I don't know if it should, it should have probably had the brick in the window or the three flats. Or was it when she, he got arrested because she hit herself with the orange? Oh my God. And I watched that scene. I can't do it. It's, really? it's too much for me. It's That is where I draw the line. That <laughs> She was really invested too. She was like, I'm going to get deep about this. Okay. That's why I never <laughs> use the word I love you to someone after seeing that movie. If someone could go to that extreme, you know what? You probably need to have a conversation <laughs> before you get to this point. <laughs> well, I mean, he said I love you before even knowing her history. Yeah. As they were having or making sex. Making um, sex. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know if I've ever made sex, sex before. <laughs> You're making sex. Um, okay. and, and she starts to tell him, I killed my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's the time where you actually stop and you go like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? It's to me, it looked like he was preserving um, and protecting his safety in that moment. Like uh, you killed, like, let me try to move. And then she straddled him. And so he was just like, well, he was abusive. You had to kill his ass. (laughs) I mean, let's be and let's be correct. She straddled him as she had this conversation. I mean, really, what can you really do in this moment? I mean, it's kind of different. You live to fight another day. Yeah, and he fought several days, including being tied up. So, I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, had he just done this in the beginning, he would have ended up like that at the end. I don't know. Who but knows? let's take, let's go a little step, let's go earlier to what happened. 
it was all peer pressure. He got bent, but he mm. made a bet with T, mm. and as a result, this is what led to this. So really, I blame T with all of this. I think if, if T was not really <laughs> in the picture, <laughs> this and let's be let's not be mistaken. T is the one who went to go haul at her first. So had T not got rejected, see, that guy's that guy. I think use your third okay, so, eye. But uh, okay, so we dig in deep. I'm there. I'm with you, brother. Let me ask you this question then. So was that not there, the game that they run? Because, yeah, T was like, yo, watch this. And then he didn't get it. And then mm-hmm. Darnell immediately ran in with the, that's not how you talk to the ladies. Let me help you. That might be a game that they run regularly for this mm-hmm. one to be the knight in shining armor. And, you know, so that's why I'm like, I, hold up. I mean, going to be honest. He didn't you. mean it. And T in the back. Yes, I did. <laughs> that is the game that's been run since the beginning of time, okay? Exactly. <laughs> that was a plan. I can see that from a mile away. So, yes, that was the plan. But, I mean, he saw the stress limo. You know, he he got blindsided with everything. I mean, she warned she, him, though. She said she, like, lit, multiple times warned him to the point even right before she said, the, asked him if... um he loved her. She said, do you have feelings for anybody? Like she's asking him these questions and then tells him because I cannot be hurt. It would not be good for me to get hurt. I am no in no way condoning Brandy's behavior or the, the things that are going on and floating around in her mind. However, I am highlighting Darnell's just pure rejection of the warning that she has given this man before he enters in this interaction with her in this way. When people tell you who they are, if you don't listen, that is your fault. <laughs> I can't even argue with you on that. Someone tells you they have red flags, listen, pay attention, and if you need to run away, run away. And when she said, I cannot be hurt, if a girl ever said that, if a woman ever said that to me, even if I'm feeling her, if she says, I cannot be her, I'm not running that risk. That, that is, I would have a flashback to this movie and I will run wherever, wherever I am. Fast. Get away. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so I know what we're saying that Darnell should have taken responsibility, but he also, I mean, again, this is where we say he needed to learn a lesson because he went hard for brandy i mean took down the girl license plate number and then proceeded to her workplace uninvited i'd have had him arrested then that's stalker behavior sir okay right well let's be honest she liked it she liked the little stalkers as i mean she had <laughs> some like, as well <laughs> so i mean they were kind of the same playing field at this moment he speaks my love language <laughs> <laughs> There are no boundaries, apparently. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, she was not okay with it. She had him kicked out by the, the flash cop, the flashlight cops. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then proceeds to have his friend Earl drop, drive him to a showing as if he's going to purchase the house. And he doesn't. I mean, and, and it's not as actually he comes in as someone else. And then like, I mean, again, he he pushed for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but maybe he was interested at first. So mm-hmm. for someone to go to those extent, I mean, 
it's kind of, I mean, yes, in the movie, context-driven, you know, his friend T betted him, so therefore it can be seen from those lens, but maybe he was actually feeling her as she wanted to pursue her, but then Mia came around and old feelings came up. Granted, there should have been a conversation before he did everything, but he didn't. He snuck around, mm-hmm. went to Mia's house with the limo, stayed overnight, missed her birthday. That was trifling. You gonna stay tonight? At this bitch house, with my limo in the suit I bought you on my right. motherfucking birthday. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would have stabbed the cake too. I think I might have. I think it might have. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, there was a lot of things that could have, there could have been a lot of individuals at several points in this movie <laughs> where they end up this way on both parties' behalf. Okay. <laughs> Noted. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. And so, I mean, it was terrible because, again, I feel as if they both kind of fed into each other's Hmm. personalities in a way. Like, it was just like, I know that you can't resist a guy like me, so I'm going to keep pushing. And she's like, well, I know once I get him and I shower him with all these things, he'll never leave. And so it's trying to kind of like play on these things that that they're thinking each other wants. And, and there's really no conversation that's happening. I agree. There, not only was there no conversation, they were both enjoying the moments for what they were, but not having deep conversations. It was just it was so superficial mm-hmm. to the point where if they had these conversations, they could address a lot of things before pursuing moving forward. And honestly, I don't know if Darnell was there. There were some things about the movie that was like, hmm, that's very, that's toxic. That's, oh, that's bad. With the um, Nikki saying the one girlfriend, well, not girlfriend, the one friend that he had, Nikki, who she was like, uh, where do he was like, where do we get these labels? Or when I don't remember agreeing to that. And she said, when I open my legs to you, that's what it was. And so then when uh, there and him and T Darnell and T are leaving the club the one night and he said, Nikki, get drunk. And she started wanting to claim people, take her off the guest list. And so then he or the VIP list because, woo, that VIP list was so important, child. (laughs) (laughs) Using that as a weapon against her. And then when they are in the in the woods um horseback riding and he kind of almost gaslights uh, or tries to attempts to mm-hmm. gaslight brandy with the either you're gonna give me like no we about to get physical don't do that shit right now you done brought me up here to go horseback riding like did, what is you doing trying to pressure her into having sex um which to me didn't feel there was lots of like just chauvinistic things in this film where i was like oh that's not good and then as much as i love mia it definitely did seem like they wrote her character into being, oh, this is the good girl. Like everyone else, these just the hoes that you play with. But me is the good girl. So she's this is what she's doing. And she's filling this role so he can do these things differently with her as opposed to just having respect for women in general. But, you know, that's, I, I, you know, a little extra just piece there. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because there were different different characters uh, characteristics of each of the women that he chose to be interactive with so like you said there was the hairdresser there was the dry cleaner and then was there another one or am i making the one with the children the one with the yes, kids. the woman with the children who who slapped the son slapped him upside his head and called him a knucklehead <laughs> the one that dry cleaner the shy one Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shy one. She was very timid, but he's like, you know, I bring it out. I can bring it out of her, you know. 
And then the hairdresser, she was like you said, she wasn't playing games. Like she was like, you ain't gonna treat me like you do all these other hoes, you know. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, but he like, did. He did. Like she, you know, she's like, kiss, do do the thing right here, you know. Like <laughs> we'll get over if you just, you know, hit it right here real quick. And just using his his clout as a way to kind of get get away with it. And then I think again, I think this is like where promoters got their like mm, mm, mm. <laughs> their their mojo or like their lesson plan <laughs> because club promoters really do act like this i mean at least they were like managers or you know people who were within the actual club because a nigga about to own this motherfucker right because <laughs> <laughs> a nigga about to own all this don't forget he was about to own it <laughs> Shout out to all my my club promotion people. I still love you. <laughs> you know, they really were just promoters. <laughs> I'm sorry. They really were. They really were. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm gonna be honest. I'm, you know, I, I joke about Darnell and the character, but there was a lot of chauvinistic characteristics around him. And you know, going back to what you were saying, you know, they made all these other women he were dating to have these flaws. But made which made them not worthy. It's almost like they panned them in a picture that made them seem that they wasn't good enough. Whereas with Mia, no, they presented her with no flaws and all these characteristics. But when we think about the hairdryer, the hairdresser, she was assertive. Nothing is wrong with that. Mm-hmm. The one that worked at the dry cleans, yes, she may be shy, but that's her characteristics. Nothing's wrong with that. The woman with kids, she has a kid. Nothing's wrong with that. It's almost as if they they painted them out to have these flaws, therefore not being worthy, and therefore validating Darnell. So it it, it showed this chauvinistic element at the beginning that, and I joked around earlier, which is the older I got, the more I got the message, because you can see the initial hour of the movie and harp on that and just go with it and forget about the last hour, last 30 minutes, which is the message, which is, don't play around people's emotions and think deeper about what you're doing. Once again, the older I, I got, the more I find out it's important to have these conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And also, when someone says they have red flags, don't ignore it. It's there for a reason. Right. I agree. And I think that with the characters too, it's like, it's showing, for me, when I first watched it, like, you know, just watching it, just to watch it, it was like, Oh damn, he didn't give a damn what had what they had going on. He was giving it to all of the ladies. Like, you know, like it didn't matter if they had kids. It didn't matter if they was like this, if it was like that. Um, but then the more I, I watched it and then watching it from this particular lens, it's like, oh man, that really sucks. Like he he had a certain type that he went for. And 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 in some ways, he he went for that type because he knew that he had a little bit of a, a sense of control and how they could. Um, how he can handle them. And I think that's why Brandy was so different and that he thought that he would have like a way of being able to control her or to kind of to play her, if you will. Mm -hmm. And she was a different one. She wasn't the one. (laughs) (laughs) He found the one. She said, you put your hands on the wrong one. Yeah. So (laughs) with all of that being said, and we've had a lot of conversation about Darnell so far. So let's jump right in. Did either of you diagnose Darnell with anything? (laughs) Yes, I did. I'm going to take one from your from your page or your chapter, Courtney. And I'm going to hit you with the 
histrionic personality disorder. Hi-ya! Did you do it? Did you, did I did not it? diagnose him with that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> this, ladies and gentlemen, does speak to, you know, diagnosis variability, different <laughs> variability amongst writers. And so that's why collaboration and consultation is so important so that you can come to some type of consensus when delivering a diagnosis, going through it with the client. Important things. Um, <laughs> did you want to elaborate on why you gave histrionic, though? I will. I will. And it's so funny because as I was watching, I was like, I know Courtney going, I know she's going to diagnose with history on it. No, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, okay. For me, when, when I look at the criteria for histrionic personality disorder, pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention seeking beginning by her early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. Um, so there's eight different diagnostic criteria. One is uncomfortable in situation he or she is not the center of attention. I don't necessarily feel that that's the case, but when it came to his sister's prom, he did kind of make himself center of the whole prom thing. It's like, oh, you can't go. You got to be home by midnight, that type of thing. And who are you going with? But I think that was just him being him being a protective, over overly protective brother. Um, interaction with other is characterized as inappropriately sexually uh, seductive or provocative. I feel like that he meets that criteria. Display is rapidly shifting in shallow expressions of emotion. I would say yes, especially when trying to get Brandy to see like, oh yeah, I want I want you to be with me, or even using the guilt. Consistently using physical appearance to draw attention, even though he was buying his his uh, swag from the back uh, of a truck in the alley. Motherfucker, we in an alley. Smell like pissing oil. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he did care very much about his appearance and has a style of speech that excessively impressionistic and lacking in detail. So again, like, you know, just really being a charmer. Um, but there was no detail, hence the reason why he wasn't able to really, when she, when Brandy said, we met, you barely even know me, you know? And so um, that, that interaction wasn't even enough to say that that was an introduction. Uh, show self-dramatization, -dram uh, theatricality, and exaggerated expression of emotion. I mean, that's just Martin Lawrence in general. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's necessarily Darnell or not. Is suggestible. So he was easily influenced by his peers and making this decision to to kind of go after Brandy, even though it was clear she wasn't interested or didn't really care to be bothered with him. And then considers relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. So perhaps I think he really felt like he had something more with me. And when in, in actuality, maybe it really wasn't there initially. And then it started to grow. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Dr. Player, what say you? You know, part of me can say I agree with that diagnosis, but I think also because it falls in the same cluster, cluster B of the personality mm -hmm. disorders. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with narcissistic personality disorder. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so Courtney agrees. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm saying this because of those grandiose thoughts. And when I say yeah. grandiose, you know, I get it. You know, having a good self-esteem understandable but the way he presented himself as if he was almost better and kind of going back to his sister's prom you know it was about him 
mm-hmm. and it wasn't by her, his sister or when he did make it out to his sister, he was like, well, I just want to make sure you're okay. Did he really? I mean, <laughs> and following the theme of the movie, you know, it wasn't about other people's feelings and this is me speculating. Yeah, he ends up with Mia, but does he really stay with Mia at the end or does he does he make it about himself again? Yeah, yeah. Because these patterns, it, it was, it's been going on for a while, you know? And then the, the grandiose thoughts, I'm going to own this club one day. It's like, calm down, buddy. Like, it's one club. It's like, you know, it's not, I get that you have this dream, but it's how he presented himself as if he's larger than life. So for me, I went with Narcissus Persanator because just his whole attitude just reminds me of someone. Let's put it like that. <laughs> and oh, that's, okay. not that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. It's a friend. No, remember, we, we remember. We were asking for a friend. <laughs> so I also went um, with narcissistic personality disorder. Yes, in the same cluster as um, histrionic, but very varying uh, differently. Um, like you said, with the grandiose sense of self-importance in the very beginning of the movie, when he's getting ready and starting his day in his Nissan, <laughs> and he says, I just assume if God wanted all women to be happy, he would make all men like me. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, so there was that. <laughs> and then with that, believing that uh, he or she is special and unique and can only be understood or should associate with other special or high status people where he felt like he can interact with these ladies and that's okay. But Mia is special. She's this one. So then she's deserving of my time in a way that these other women are not Um, requiring excessive admiration and has a sense of entitlement. Just feeling like Smitty didn't even offer y'all the club yet. He said he was looking for partners Mm -hmm. and him and T that me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's us. That's us. (laughs) <laughs> slow your roll so you're the promoter <laughs> I might give it to Tracy behind the bar you never know um, <laughs> mm-hmm. is interpersonally exploitive takes taking advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends which I feel like the whole situation with Brandy was like it was him trying to prove that he again was the man and in that way was being exploitive to not only Brandy and the different things that he did to get her but also being exploitive to these women and using being manipulating and using the VIP passes to, <laughs> to mm-hmm. in turn to get sexual favors, um, lacking empathy and unwilling or unable to uh, recognize or identify the feelings and the needs of others. And I felt that one, especially not so much lacking, empathy, like just really not being able, able to understand um, other people and their reasoning, especially when Brandy was telling him all of the benefits of the military, and he was like, "Oh, so there must you must be one of them type gum top gun motherfuckers out there to shoot." She was like, "So you really think I will go just to be with a man? Did you not hear what I said?" <laughs> it's often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him. I mentioned this for Miguel A. Nunez character Reggie. Miguel A. Nunez is not cute to me. I do not know why he was pretty Tony on Mario. I do not know why he was Reggie in this film. It just, and you know, with the whole, it was, you know, the, the chicken delivery rapist run around just fucking motherfuckers. He's very jealous of Reggie. Um, it shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. So I felt like <laughs> all of those were very fitting of what Martin gave us as Darnell. <laughs> you know, I will say this, and the lacking empathy I really saw that he truly lacked empathy in so many elements. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is for him to mess around with multiple women, thinking mm-hmm. that it was okay and mm-hmm. not knowing how it can affect them. It's like you're unable to put yourself in their shoes. 
and also it's not and it's not like he can see him see that happening to himself because it don't happen to him even the fact when mia was dating someone else he couldn't <laughs> recognize that you know what i'm doing to other women is what she's doing to me or what could be what she could be doing to me so he never really put himself in someone else's shoes which you see this quite often when you see chauvinistic men which is everything is about me and I can't put myself in a woman's shoes because I'm a man and that's not what we do or they rationalize it which mm-hmm. goes down a deeper rabbit hole that's just so irrational we don't even got enough time to talk about it <laughs> and I felt like he also you know nothing nothing was his fault his mom was talking to him about um how one night of passion can cause a lifetime of pain and that was it that was the quote <laughs> that was the quote yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the way in the strong Della Reese voice that only she could deliver. And, and he yeah. said, well, I guess it's your fault, mama. You spoiled me. You love me so good. Like, it, did you not again? Did you not hear what she just said? <laughs> but nothing is his fault. And so, yes, I definitely agree. <laughs> and, you know, his mom loved her to death in that movie. I think she was like the epitome of like what a black mom is during that time period. Even though she disagreed with him, she still had his bad. She was going to fight the girl in the front yard. You can't hit her. I can do it. Move out the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. They just took me to Harlem Nights and I was just like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard to see her in a different role. <laughs> I mean, my mom used to watch Touched by an Angel. I'm like, that is not the same woman. That is yeah. not the same woman. But yeah. in retrospect, that is the same woman. That is my mom. She can be Touched by an Angel. But she could be telling reason Harlem Nights too. Right. Shout out to uh, Dr. Aisha Dickerson who pointed out that same yes. <laughs> paradigm. Same paradigm. <laughs> that is so true. But you know, just the fact that his mom was the, the fact that he made that quote to his mom, or felt like she spoiled him, or in, enabled him, was just to validate his stamp, his stance on why he, what it is that he does. Mm-hmm. And it just feeds volumes to like how he was so narcissistic because he cannot empathize with other people because it's not his fault, it's their fault. So. And I, I am hopeful for him though, because at the beginning of the movie, um, we talk about like how we get here and he's, my life was fine until the day my trouble started. And it was more so of the introduction of Brandy, where it sounds like it, through the storytelling that all of this is Brandy's fault. But then mm-hmm. towards the end, we get him more being actually being self-reflective and saying, I stopped trying to be the man and became a man. And so I'm hopeful like that he did get shot and got pushed out the window and got knee the nuts and got tied up. And it, it took that. But he learned the lesson. That's not really how treatment of personality disorders works. But I also haven't tied up any of my clients and shot them and threw them in the tub and tried to electrocute them. So I don't know. Maybe that's a treatment modality that we just haven't tapped into yet. And someone I'm not condoning that. I'm not condoning that. (laughs) Don't forget force feeding cake. I mean, force feeding cake is pretty abusive, apparently, and should be frowned upon. Don't force feed your friends or loved ones cake. Please. There are several movies that emphasize that. (laughs) that. (laughs) Anime? Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I have I have something to go against the, the differential diagnosis. And this is just this is just saying. So 
it reads in a different differential diagnosis that individuals with histrionic personality disorder are manipulative to gain nutrients, uh, whereas those with anti-personality disorder are manipulative to gain profit power or some other material, material gratification. Although individuals with narcissistic personality disorder also crave attention from others, they usually want praise for their superiority. Whereas individuals with histrionic personality disorder are willing to be viewed as fragile or independent or dependent if it is instrumental in getting attention. Individuals with narcissistic personality disorder may exaggerate the intimacy of their relationships with people. They are more apt to emphasize the VIP status or wealth of their friends. So with that, the VIP status <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, the, the whole bet with uh, yes. Brandy said, I'm not going to bet on the ladies like that. So it wasn't a monetary thing, but it was because you're going to call me the man and you're going to refer to me that way from now on. Mm. Okay. And right. after he sealed the deal, he called T to get the validation that he's superior by him, by T having to say, I'm the man. Okay. So as a result, that just emphasized that need for fulfillment. And what man goes around needing the validation of other men to say, I'm the man or exaggerate their sexual escapades? Mm, so I mean, it just speaks volumes to his. <laughs> I ego. mean, ask the locker room. I don't. It's been happening for a long time. <laughs> According to that man named Trump, that's just locker room banter. I, I guess. I guess I'm old. <laughs> that's what this is. I guess I'm old. Man, that man older than you. <laughs> I guess I'm more. I'm wiser. Let's put it like that. <laughs> You're a gentleman, is what that is. <laughs> I guess I saw the movie. You actually, that's like what- women. I, you know, <laughs> I saw the so, movie. Don't want to go to jail, and that's what this is about. <laughs> One hundred. All right. So moving right along, diagnosis for Brandy. Who would like to go first? <laughs> I can go first again. Let's so you team up and be like. <laughs> after, after this movie, I don't want to be wrong with diagnosing her. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of backlash. She might come for you. She might, she might still be in prison. Me. We don't know how long she got. <laughs> Let's just say this. Every man knows a Brandy. Whether they have put her in that position or know someone that has put her in that position. Mm. I know a Brandy. She she a friend. It's, it's not me, though. It's a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope somebody helps fix that dent in her heart. Like... <laughs> Like he somebody needed to do for Brandy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to take a stab at it since y'all be punk. No, let me stop. All right. So I'm going to say. <laughs> I thought I was doing it right. <laughs> so um, I said delusional disorder. And I say that she is the jealous type. Right. And unspecified type as far as dominant delusion beliefs no bizarre content and i would say multiple episodes and currently in partial remission because i think that's how her husband died i i would say if we're going with your diagnosis that would be in the queue we in it ain't we (laughs) we here (laughs) well it's well you know if you were well okay so yeah you can say currently a cute episode (laughs) But I, I, the reason why I said partial because she kind of got she was she was done with it for a second and then came back in it. So 
that's why I put that. But should I read the criteria for it? Uh, just probably C, because I think that's the only thing that would be relevant. Everything else is very quantifying of, you know, diagnosing stuff. Right. So apart from the impact of the delusions or ramifications, functioning is markedly impaired and behavior is not obviously bizarre or odd. And then jealous type is a subtype applies when a central theme of the individual individual's delusions is that he that his or her spouse or lover is unfaithful. Which she might have been right on target with it though. Because Facts, he was one hundred percent. So yeah. I bounced in between delusional, jealous type, multiple episodes, and acute and so I think I might still keep it. It just might be a secondary diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I think that my primary diagnosis would be post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, going through some of the criteria for PTSD, she had the exposure of the act or the actual um, serious injury of the violence. She said that he was very abusive, very hurtful, very mean, all of those things um, to her. So she had the actual experience of that. And then she also had the recurrent involuntary and intrusive distressing memories of the traumatic event with the way that she spoke about it and how she referenced it throughout the film. And then the intense or prolonged psychological distress at exposure to internal or external cues that symbolize, resemble, and or resemble an aspect of the traumatic event. And I feel like uh, Darnell pushing her into the wall is what was the thing that kind of snapped it for her, and that created a lot of the psychological distress. And then all of the the extra wild stuff <laughs> occurred um, after that moment happens where she was burning the bacon in his house. How you got all that money and you don't know how to cook bacon. That's a damn shame. But um, persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with the traumatic event by her um, avoiding or, you know, having efforts to avoid external reminders of that arouse the distressing memories, thoughts or feelings about closely associated that are closely associated with the traumatic event. And so she was not really seeming like she was in- interested in entering into any romantic relationships for real, for real, because of her experiences before. And with Darnell coming on, she coming around, she was very hesitant and very reluctant. And then even afterwards, like still was questioning him. Are you sure? Is there anybody else? I'm trying to uh, not really comfortable. Um, and so it just felt like she was trying to to avoid having a, situ- a similar situation happen again. And then we have the negative um, alterations or cognitions where I felt that she was having the persistent and exaggerated negative beliefs or expectations about for this situation, others in the world where she said, you men think that you can just buy us off of the shelf and, and use us so you don't want us no more. You get us all dirty. And then the irritable behavior, uh, hypervigilance, and I do not think that she had any dissociative symptoms. If she did, I didn't really have witness to that. But yeah, I kind of I think PTSD would be my primary diagnosis. I might still give her a secondary of the delusions with the jealousy, but PTSD for damn sure. <laughs> you know, hearing you all say that, I agree. And I'm going to throw two ranches into the plan. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of brief psychotic disorder. And the reason why I'm going with that is to support the delusions that was occurring. Mm-hmm. But at the same time period, it occurred during this time period with Darnell 
And it's hard to say if this occurred before, because I know she talked about her husband and what happened, but was it continuous? No, it seems like she was pretty stable before she met Darnell. So I'm thinking due to Darnell's interactions and this brief psychotic episode of psychotic disorder experience, which is between one day and one month, that will probably explain the changes in behaviors. Because, of course, one of the elements is delusion, durations from one day to one month, disturbance is not better explained by major depressive disorder or bipolar disorder with psychotic features. So I'm almost leaning towards pre-psychotic disorder. Now, not enough contextual information to support that, but if it was to isolate Darnell's experiences, one, that could be a solution. Mm-hmm. And sticking with, well, before I continue, what do you all think about that one? I have another one too. <laughs> so I, I looked at it briefly as, as like when I was looking at the delusion disorder, but as you were talking, it reminded me again, like how similar but different they are and that I realized perhaps she has a borderline personality disorder. And that was my next guess. Especially when, when Courtney was talking about the PTSD and it's like, but wait, how did she know to take a, a fruit and beat herself with it and slam her forearm mm-hmm. into a door jam? And so it's like, Perhaps that was the uh, the uh, imagined type of abuse that she created for herself. Not saying that we're not believing her, but based off of her actions in this particular moment, perhaps that's what she did in that supposed abusive prior relationship. Agreed. My concern was that what if that is because putting the fruit inside the stocking and hitting somebody with it, whether it's yourself or somebody else, is a way to cause physical harm, but without leaving fingerprints. So it's also something that she could have experienced that her abusive husband was doing in his attempts not to leave uh, that type of evidence on her. And so I definitely feel like all of these are in some way potentially correct, we need more information and further assessment. You know, and I agree with you. There, there's a lot of more, there's a lot more information, more contextual or his, his, historical elements we need to understand about Brandy. But just the re- rejection sensitive that she experienced after getting rejected by Darnell and how she responded, which was, once again, hitting herself with the orange and then popping <laughs> up to his house, cooking the bacon, Forcing him to mm-hmm. love her back mm-hmm. and just kind of show that dynamic, which is almost this black and white thinking. It's either you really, really love me or you really, really hate me. And as so, result, oh, honey, you're cranky. You just need some coffee. <laughs> right. Right. So when you look at the, the criteria, identity disturbance is one of them. Like, I really feel like her, her identity like was was thrown off. And that self-image or sense of self was taken away by him saying, no, you're not my woman. She's like, no, but I am. I am your woman. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. And, and in her mind, like that was her imagined relationship or, yeah. No, you're right. I, with, with borderline personality disorder, it is that cognitive functioning was inflexibility in thinking to the extent of once she became my boyfriend, you're my boyfriend. You can't be anything else. To the extent 
that if he was not going to be her boyfriend anymore, she had to kill him. Therefore, he does not exist. And therefore, he cannot be my boyfriend because he does, mm -hmm. he's no longer alive. So, so she did it. have lots of absolutes like that, though, where she was like, I either like my men wearing nothing at all or nothing but the best. Everything was lots of absolute thinking there. Um, mm -hmm. my, my biggest concern is what and what brings me, I guess, back to the PTSD and what kind of was it for me? Um, I definitely agree with all of y'all was but with the. The part where she said, I wasn't always like this. I was a good girl. I was, I am. I just married the wrong mm -hmm. man for all the right reasons. As if like, this was the thing that set all of this uh, like astray. Like this wasn't an issue until this situation happened. But with the, her age and where she was, this also could have just been, this was around the time that the on onset started for her and she started to see the symptoms. And so mm -hmm. again, very much so we need further assessment and we need to be able to collect more information. But because this was written such, we're looking at it from Darnell's point of view and he is a chauvinistic pig. Mm -hmm. We don't get that full view of her and in, in depth of her character because he didn't even care enough to ask her these things after she told him that she killed her husband he didn't think to ask no questions he just let her jump back on him so we weren't able to gather enough information there <laughs> i feel like we're not giving darnell some leeway in this conversation <laughs> because the fact that she said i killed my husband i feel like she put him in a difficult bind of a situation facts, facts. how can he be like you know what let me process this during this moment but, I mean, not during this moment. So <laughs> keep yourself safe. Finish. Act like you know you have the good time. Enjoy that, so that there's no questions oh, raised. Cool. But then afterwards, maybe ask some questions. Maybe don't go call T. Maybe let's let's either talk about I'm I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna call you on the phone and we can talk about this once I'm a for a safe distance away. Like just at some point, maybe we should have asked some some follow up questions instead of just worried about calling T and being called demand. But his narcissism would not allow him to leave that moment without getting that validation. So you know, there's you know that. you're so right. I can't even argue with you on that. You know, <laughs> I, I want I want to try to argue with it on that. But you know what? You're right. He should have called. And I mean, if any girl says she killed somebody. That is that is a topic of conversation next time we meet. Like we need to discuss how many people you killed and how. <laughs> and how? Please explain how. First of all, it didn't matter. He was abusive. You had to kill his ass. <laughs> I just I don't care how bad I need it. Like um, I'm sorry. I just got a really bad tummy ache. Let me go to the bathroom. Gather my things and run out of the house. I don't, I just could not see myself like, yeah, let me finish. Oh, 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 yeah, she killed someone. What the fuck? Like, that makes no sense. It does. But okay. She just <laughs> had so many red flags. Like, when he first met them and he they run in the game and he's like, don't mind T, he was jumped on his head and he's a little rattled. She said, maybe I, I should arrange for him to fall on his head again so he can get unrattled. Ma'am, you arrange for people to fall on their heads? That's, that's just something that you can make happen. And then when she... <laughs> Exactly why I don't think it's PTSD because she's she's borderline. She she makes this stuff happen. Well, I would say this: it could be a the common denominator, a common factor could be that she experienced trauma throughout her life, and as a result, of not being treated, yeah. it manifests itself into a criteria for borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if those things are connected, and I'm yes. pretty sure they are connected. So, yeah, yeah. it can be an and also, not an either or. Yeah. But let's go back for a second, because I I don't think you've <laughs> given Darnell justice in this point, okay? Because 
as a 22 year old man, when you hear crazy things, you're like, Darnell was not 22. Darnell was not 22. Yes. Maybe 20. You saw Martin's hairline. He was a good 28. He uh, okay. As men, we develop, we, we mature later than women. Okay, so let's, let's let's put that argument right there. Okay, but I mean, she said something crazy. Like, all right, this may be a challenge. You know, let's see where this goes. To watch, that's probably what attracted him to her. I mean, no, guys, I, I agree you, with you there. I feel like I you guys are silent, so I feel like I'm in my own silo right now. So if there's any <laughs> else listening, you've been there, you know this. Not saying it's okay now, but we've been there. We learn from those mistakes. Okay. I, I think no, I, I definitely think that he was intrigued by the challenge and that elevated her status. And so for him, he, she, he's like, oh, she's a high status woman. So, of course, me being God's gift to women that I am, it makes sense for me. I, I'm going to win her over because she's going to recognize that I am the the the, the gift. And you know, just as you said, they talk about him having the superiority thinking if I can conquer this woman mm-hmm. of the status that just elevates my ego even more so it's almost this weird play of action but i think she even knew that because the way that she started insulting him like once she flipped the way that she started insulting him was jabbing at his ego when <laughs> we told her to get out the car and she said and oh yeah I'm yeah right and what are you well to fucking white champion of the whole world what you gonna do to me <laughs> <laughs> All the listeners, Welterweight is, is what, 140 to 147. <laughs> she was coming at him being little in that moment. So she like was saying jabs to get at him, calling him a mama's boy, all of that. I also love that scene because when she drives away, you can see the cameraman shooting the scene in her back window. Like, y'all can cut that out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can see him holding the camera just like this. <laughs> yep. Oh, she moved like a thousand times. I never saw that. Okay, I got I got to see that part. <laughs> yep, as she pulls off when Del- after Della Reese come out and after she pull off, you can see the cameraman right in the window. <laughs> can we not can we just acknowledge what Brandy did when the mom came out when he was when she said, Hey mom, how yeah. you doing? Uh-huh. That was petty to the to the most like, to the I always most. wanted to meet you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I give Brandy credit with that one, okay? Like she pulled out the petty car, okay? Yes, yes. <laughs> She did. <laughs> One hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so huh, you might, I don't know how you feel about this, Dr. Player, because um, you, you referenced this person and we blamed the entire movie on him. All of this, again, would have been a commercial or an episode, like I say, <laughs> but wasn't for this one particular character. Did anybody diagnose T? I did not because I felt like he was just being a friend who was just like, you know, antagonizing one of his friends. Like, oh, you ain't going to get her. I tried, whatever, whatever. You know, like he just seemed like a regular kind of young fella trying to make it in the world. That was it for me. As a person who identifies with T, <laughs> I diagnose T as being just a best friend. That's what he was. A good friend. There you go. He came out to the Malibu house to kind of help. I mean, so did. I mean, he got knocked out in the first five seconds of him being there. He I, mean, I love my friends. Can't. I'm not doing that, all right? You should never win in the first place. It's like, we talked about this. Don't go. <laughs> what did What did Darnell do? He got in a car and left. 
T was just a good friend. That's what T was the mentally stable friend in this movie. The yes. mentally stable friend. Oh, okay. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not questioning his mental stability. I just would like to rule out for further assessment what Dr. Rosie outlined earlier as histrionic personality disorder. I would like to look at that for T. Wow. I said it. Oh, I said it. He did really? not like it when it wasn't about him. He did not. He. That's why he got so mad at Brandy and called her a stuck up and a, and a, a Barbie doll. And mm-hmm, yep. She has poor coping skills. I would skills. like to rule Don't it out. I would that. like to further assess. poor coping skills. I agree with, I agree with Anton. Could he could he be narcissistic just like his friend because birds of a feather flock together? Absolutely. I mean, you can't be a clusters narcissistic. Clusters hang out friend. together too. Clusters hang yeah, they clusters hang out together, but I wouldn't say he's histrionic. He said if you can avoid saying those three words, I love you, a nigga come back to his dick fall off. He was being supportive. I think you guys not giving him credit right now. He I agree. Was, he was trying to give he was like the Play-Doh to Darnell, okay? <laughs> he was guiding him on how to maneuver. He, how do you, this, this is what you call a supporter friend, okay? <laughs> okay, so I think we're going real hard for T, and I don't feel like T is the one who deserves all of this um, support and, and, and to bat for it, because I feel like the real good friend was I'll, I'll go ahead and call him his character name was Earl, but to me he will always be chill. That it is he's chill. <laughs> so chill with his stutter, dropped dressed up in the limousine man outfit, drove Darnell there, waited, opened the door for him, and said, do that shit, boy. And then supported him throughout when when it went down at the club. He was the one who actually found Darnell and got him to the club. He is the actual supportive friend right there, right now. And I don't feel like he is giving his just due as him being a supportive friend. The bitch that fuck the best get to keep the man and, and rest just stay around. <laughs> I feel like they were, the both of them were good friends in their own ways. Well, with, it's with Earl going and getting Darnell and saying this is what happened, but also that's what triggered Darnell to go and to... Malibu to go to confront Brandy. And so then once T realizes he went to go confront Brandy, that's when he takes off with him or with um, Mia. So, I mean, I feel like they're just, they were supportive friends. Like they needed to be, if we're going to, if we're going to say histrionic, I suppose. I'm saying further assessment. I'm just, I just want to, I just want to, I want to, you know, check it out. I want to make sure it ain't. That's all I'm saying. See, this is what happens when you're a good friend and you just happen to be around someone. All of a sudden, you get caught up and now you get a diagnosis. I feel like this is not <laughs> fair for Darnell. I, I mean, for, for, for T. I mean, he, he T was supportive all around. He helped run the club with Darnell. He, if you think about it, T was doing a lot of the lead work. And let's he be was, honest. And that's why he got that parking ticket at the beginning that he tried to flirt himself out of. Because his 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 interactions were sexual, suggestive in nature, and that's why he was running the 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 being the wingman with Peach, and you know addressed her as Georgia. How's my Georgia Peach doing? Because he felt like relationships were more intimate than they were. Well, let's be honest. He was very kind to Peaches, so let's be honest. Not be <laughs> Peaches, Peaches was 
I'm not that bad at anything. She was that mean friend that you had to be nice to to help your boy out. I mean, talk about a talk about example of a good friend. That is a fine example of being a good friend. He could have left Darnell to fend for himself, but no, he took a bullet. And we all saw how Peach just treated Darnell, despite the fact that Darnell really liked Mia. But Peach just saw right through it. <sighs> and we all need a friend like Peaches now. Come on. <laughs> do you? Do you really? <laughs> like, not overbearing, but just enough. If you are in love with a narcissist, then yes, you, you might need one. Um, because Mia definitely was... Okay, so talking about Mia. Was anyone else disappointed in the training that she received from the Air Force? Should the Air Force have not better trained her for, to, for a situation like this? She walked in and did not assess the situation. She didn't identify all the exits where the target was. They, they separated and she didn't have eyes on her comrade. He got knocked out. Her first instinct wasn't oh. to check a pulse or secure the area. She, what, what is the Air Force teaching? I wouldn't blame that on the Air Force. I just blame that on bad acting. Because, but what I will say is that she went straight boys in the hood. She went back all the way to her first film in her reactions. The Air Force training left and she went Compton. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think that, that ain't got nothing to do with the Air Force. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say the same as that thing because if she was anything military related and she knew what was going on, she should at least have some form of a weapon, whether it was a gun, whether it was a knife, whether it was a stick. She should yeah. walk prepared to hit something or somebody. Well, y'all acting like y'all ain't got friends that's been in the military before and you know these fools ain't all the way there either. So, <laughs> the expectation that they supposed to be combat ready in regular civilian uh, situations is not appropriate. <laughs> this is a civilian matter. She is not thinking about military combat strategies. I'll ask you all, you're, you find out about your friend who may be in potential danger. You are brave enough to go there because I know I'm not. I'm calling the cops. You got to do that. You're only going to win. But you show up. Are you not going to have some form of weapon or are you just going to walk in the house saying, hello, is anyone home? Which is giving away where you are with no weapon. And a wide no, open. I'm going to grab me a stick of something outside. <laughs> something real, a brick. Something. And I mean, maybe I pay attention to too much detail, but this is an open floor plan house. So it's not like you can Thank hide you. behind a wall. <laughs> So if you speak, people see. So I need Mia to kind of walk in a little bit more prepared. At least have her shoe off or something. For her to have been so smart just throughout the whole film, she didn't have no weapon. She let uh, him talk her into staying the night, but I'm thirsty. I figured we'd go inside, drink some Fruitopia. And then, you know, in case I got to bust out on somebody, like you let him stay the night because he said that y'all was going to drink Fruitopia. Fruitopia. <laughs> <laughs> Man, just say that you want him to spend a night. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Just tell him. As as the delegate for all the guys in this movie, I will say. Go ahead, Antoine. <laughs> Please explain this. <laughs> that we have used that line before. As corny as it is, <laughs> it's, I don't it even know. Works. Clearly, keep using it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hey, like, it's funny as it is, it works. It has its up and down moments. 
sick of it. <laughs> okay, so I hate to be the one, but on a much more serious note, one thing that was addressed in this film that I felt like we should talk about, we did need to mention, was the unjust, the unfair response that Darnell did receive from the police in his trying to file the domestic um, violence restraining order against Mia and how the police did laugh at him and say, oh, she hurting you. She trying to kill you. And that is one reason why a lot of men don't come forward. And the ones that do, it takes them so long to be able to see any movement happen with that process because there is a, um, a negative response to men making reports of domestic violence. And it is happening much more than the numbers are saying that they are. Mm-hmm. You know, one that speaks a lot about the trust with any any policing system mm-hmm. because to be you know we already have our trust issues with any law enforcement but then two you're right you know for him to go to the police station and to experience that just shows why even go those extra go the extra step but also talks about how men aren't believed when they may experience domestic abuse but also reinforces the idea through the movie, which is, man, you shouldn't go to the police station because, or you shouldn't see any legal actions because you're not going to be believed, or it could turn around and bite you in the butt, or you're seen as less than. Because really, when they laughed at him, they made it seem like you can't protect yourself from a woman, despite the fact that if he could, what's going to be the outcome if he does do that? Because I don't want to hurt the bitch. That's, that's just straight. I don't want to hurt the bitch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. So now he becomes a criminal. He has a record because he tried to restrain her. It's his word against hers. And especially during a time period when it wasn't a lot of awareness about men being uh, experiencing abuse. Mm-hmm. You can see that this does not add up for him in, in, a, in a way that's going to support him. So I think that that was a significant element in the movie, despite it having a punchline or a joke to it. It does have a bigger picture at play. Where's the justice? Where's the justice? Where's the fucking justice? I know. And so ironically, when you're looking at some of the stats, so one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence. And uh, one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence. And so, and one thing that stood out for me when I'm looking at these um, particular uh, stats is that one in five women and one in 71 men in the United States have been raped in their lifetime. So looking at all of those stats um, and, and talking about, you know, the, in, like the inadequacies of, of, the, of how men may have been willing to report is clearly evident here. Um, and then again, so looking at stalking, because they were stalking in this particular movie too, 19.3 on both ends, 19.3 million women and 5.1 million men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. So, yeah. And just that the difficulty with reporting, especially what that does for the not only for the larger systems that are in play, but what that does internally for the individual that is seeking um 
that, that is trying to report and then not being not being heard in that way, being mocked in that way, not being validated, not being respected, not even being listened to. I can only imagine what that does to somebody, especially a black man with all of the other things that are going on. And then what that must do to him being mocked by, I'm presuming, white police officers, because that's what all was outside when he was mm-hmm. addressing that. Um, so I don't know what, what precinct he went to, but just just all of that at play was um, very um, I'm sure was not even uh, a tenth of what we what we saw was not a tenth of what someone an individual would be feeling on the inside despite his full um getting in the car I can't go nowhere I ain't got no tires <laughs> that's, that's, serious. that's serious too like damn she, she really- brought me down to my brake pads <laughs> yes yeah and I was told that you can't report flat like if someone stole your tires the insurance company won't take them unless it's all four so she left and she really left the one because she left one yeah it's the educated woman right there um last question guys reggie i didn't give him anything i know he was just a really excited little boy <laughs> oh. excited um yeah okay is that not a good term? No, I just I, I, I just didn't understand the excitement. But okay. <laughs> you said like, excited, then he was excited. Was Reggie no, the little boy? No, Reggie is um is the the guy, the chicken. It's the chicken king. Oh, I thought you oh. were talking about the kid that was coming to take his sister to the prom. Okay. That's what I thought. Oh. That was Cleophis' brother. Cleophis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He was making all the things back in the school. Oh, he was, you know, yeah. <laughs> Kyo was back in the house getting busy with about 50 butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I was like, wait, I thought he was just excited. No, Re- Reggie is the chicken king, the chicken, <laughs> chicken delivery boy, you know, that he oh, owns wow. all the chicken fixings. If anything, I feel like he's narcissistic too. That would be my diagnosis. I didn't give him one, but I would say he was narcissistic. Having to show, like, yeah, I have the roof down in the Porsche, and we own about eighteen, so we're like five million last year. Shut up! But I felt in context, I felt like that was very LA of him. So they are living LA in the nineties. I felt like that was, you know, how LA has its own like weird little culture that I don't quite understand. I guess it's the East Coast in me, but I just I felt like maybe he's overcompensating for something dropping the Porsche and referencing his money and not being able, his heart couldn't take if Mia was seeing someone else because maybe he doesn't have all of the things that Mia might desire. Because <laughs> <laughs> he needed the attention to be on him, which is why he could not take her. Maybe it was because his curl was dry and he needed some activator and he couldn't keep it wet like how he was supposed to and he knew it looked terrible. You know, either all of these things could be uh- true. He had a comb with him. I don't know why that comb. Do you comb a curl? Yeah, I was like, why does he have a comb in his hand in this scene? I just was confused. I know you all see my face, okay? So there's a lot of transference going on. What is it? What was his name again in the movie? You're confusing Reggie. Reggie. With with Pretty Ricky from Martin and putting him in the same category. Because I honestly feel like Reggie was really saying these things to Mark, to Darnell and not mm-hmm. really saying it to Mia. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Martin, I mean, sorry, Darnell and Reggie got into a pissing contest mm-hmm. and Reggie just one up them. I and agree. Then, I, don't, I didn't diagnose Reggie. I okay. just think he's overcompensating. 
I think he was beating Darnell at his own game, to be honest with you. And he took it like a chant when Mia was just like, you know, this isn't going to work out. You know, we just, you know, we just didn't go that way. He was like, you know what? I'm fine with it. I think a true narcissistic would have had a huge issue with that and could not accept that. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I did not diagnose him with um, narcissism. I just, but the, the, again, could just be the, the LA vibes, but the, here's the Porsche. I I put the top down. It it was just very corny. I diagnosed him with corny. Well, I agree with you on that. And I think that's very Thank you. To kind of have (laughs) that. Oh, look at my Porsche. We're going to go with the drop top, like. Get over As I wear okay. eyeliner and my eyebrows are arched and I have a dry curl that's kind of a fade, but not really. Do you have an S curl in that movie? That yes, he did. It was bothering me so. Okay, I I thought as well, and it bothered me. I just thought, how did he sleep with that? That's what bothered me. That's what in a shower cap. <laughs> on a silk on a silk pillow on a silk pillow is one of my Of course, of only only silk will do. <laughs> Enough said. She could not keep up with his high maintenance. That's why they didn't work out. I feel like she went from one narcissistic to another. No, you're not giving up that he's that Reggie's a narcissist. You're you're dying on that hill. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Done. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, I mean, I mean, let me not say anything about people from LA because not all people are narcissistic. But it is that LA Miami vibe where their chests are out and they have to show you what they have and i can say that because they're from <laughs> all right guys so with all of that being said prognosis wise we can throw in a little bit how we would treat uh as well but how do you see these people going forward being productive healing if at all possible in their future lives or will they are they just stuck let us know like we have to you know work with me on her self-defense because uh, <laughs> you know and i feel like t is gonna you know have some post-traumatic stress disorder as well realizing that he woke up and his friend was drowning in the pool this is just my terrible prognosis and brandy she's getting she's getting counseling in in prison working on you know coping skills and that's it. That's all I got. I thought Brandy escaped. Didn't she escape at the end when she's on top of the helicopter pad and she was looking in the sky? They just didn't have any more shots of Brandy. But no, he said that I hate to they showed to her in the um holding her numbers because she went to prison. Oh okay. they just didn't have any more shots to reference her, so they used her on top of the mountain. I mean the the building with her hair blowing in the oh. wind. I thought she'd escaped. I was about to say, uh, this whole time it was a whole part two for you, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Like Brandy's revenge. That's what this is sick with me. Yes, though, she's still riding in prison. (laughs) She's probably out now, unfortunately. (laughs) No, she's black. True. Well, yeah. I mean, she had money, but she's still black. So I don't, hmm, but also hmm, he's not America. But did he die? And so he didn't. And therefore, it was probably, um, you know... A woman got three years from voting. I'm just saying. You never know in America what yeah, our sentences may be. So yeah, We don't know her prior history. And in that time, I think three strikes was definitely a thing in L.A. So she could have been in prison for a lot longer. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, she's 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 in prison getting counseling. <laughs> I hope. Doctor Blair, any prognosis updates for you? I hope Brandy's fits in that hole in her heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, you know, really working with talking with Brandy about self-esteem, also rational, irrational thoughts. Darnell, of course, throwing in Adler because I'm Adler graduate school in the house. Um, social interests. What does it look like to be a social useful person and not to be a getting type person, according to Adler typology? Because really, Darnell, lack of empathy, getting what he want out of people, you know, really getting him to really focus on what can he do for others and what can he do what can he do for others as opposed to getting for himself and then lastly i would definitely say early recollections with both of them to in order to do a lifestyle assessment because i think doing a lifestyle assessment with both of them would get a good view of how they view themselves how they view others and how they view the world around them and it oddly enough i think doing a lifestyle assessment we would definitely see a lot of similarities between the two because they see themselves as isolated people in their own world and not part of society and therefore seeing society as how can I get from others as opposed to contributing so definitely a lifestyle assessment to determine what's going on with them and go from there yes I definitely feel that once released that Brandy would definitely land on her feet she is a strong businesswoman so she would be able to financially pick up whatever wherever she um, is restarting from so I would not be concerned about her in that way I definitely feel like she might benefit from maybe like a DBT group in prison uh, between the ladies so she can work on some of that interpersonal effectiveness maybe you know some um, distress tolerance some mindfulness <laughs> mm -hmm. um, acceptance and change we need to work on those two areas very uh, strongly as well as depending on whichever diagnosis that we did end up um, giving her would determine what medication that she would be given because she do need some medication uh, whether mm -hmm. it's a pill shot or, uh, or a suppository at this point however you get it to her <laughs> get her the meds um, <laughs> I feel that uh, that is where we would see her as um, a client as a client is you know entering into the prison system and then hopefully she can afford therapy outside afterwards so that she can continue to build and then when she is encountering any future uh, relationships or any stressors of her life she would be able to work that through with someone uh, I would hope that maybe uh, Darnell and Mia would get some couples counseling because we we need to ooh, ooh, child. Mm -hmm. I, maybe maybe he was healed through being shot I don't know what that near-death experience does to personality disorders but I'm assuming very little it's all Brandy's fault so with that um I really, I hope that Mia goes on deployment and they break up. They can't handle the long distance and they break up and she finds somebody who um, is not narcissistic. I don't know what, I, I don't have a prognosis for Darnell because I need to see him. I need to know what him not trying to be the man and being the man actually looks like. I would need to see that in practice in order for me to really be able to gauge where he would go from there on. Um, and then I see Reggie marrying a white woman. Well, damn. Um... <laughs> What you guys say now, Doctor Player? <laughs> I don't know where they came from. I, that felt kind of hostile. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the quote of the of the day of the show. Well, damn. <laughs> I don't even know how to. Where do I go from there at this point? That was. 
That's something a process within its own. That's another segment. <laughs> now I gotta look at this movie differently. I gotta look at Reggie Assassin and be like, all right, he really going up with a white woman? Nah, he ain't going up with a white woman. <laughs> he had a dry ass curl. No woman, no woman of any ethnicity other than would accept that. Um <laughs> with all of that being said and all of y'all support for both T and Earl I do see good things for them I see them prospering I see them doing good great things with the club actually it becoming um just world renowned and being a hot spot in LA <laughs> with all of that being said please Dr. Player please let people know where they can get more from you learn more about you are you selling anything you presenting anything soon let let people know so at the moment, I um, well, I work at Adler Graduate School here in Minnesota. Um, right now, working on publications. Nothing really in the mates at the moment. Just ideas. Don't sell any merch. However, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the objective. But we do. So if you want to buy some, you can go uh, get that. Yeah, sorry. I would, keep going. I would do that. Um, I can only say at the moment for 2022, the objective is to start a prior practice here in Minnesota to work with people of color. My specialty is working with adolescents and youth um and also working with parents so hopefully in the next year you'll see something from me and hopefully the business expand thank you all for this wonderful opportunity i enjoyed this conversation <laughs> never talked about a thin line a thin line from uh between love and hate from this perspective but definitely entertaining thank you <laughs> thank you for joining us and we appreciate your male perspective. <laughs> so very much. <laughs> if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now we are happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we would rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, you cinephiles.